Hi, I'm Gabby Herculano. And I'm Shella Lika, and you're listening to Climate Solutions with Gabby and Shella. A weekly podcast where we bring to you evidence of acceleration of the massive shift towards a green, sustainable, and balanced economy. We have a laser focus on the 2030 milestone of cutting emissions in half. Our children deserve better, and we have no time to waste. Join us and our guests as we discuss the innovative and impactful solutions shaping our world. And we're here with Philip, who is going to be talking about um, blockchain, cryptocurrency, and sustainability. Um, A very exciting conversation. Philip, thank you so much for making the time. Um, We like to usually start with that question um, about your background. And in your case, you come from from, um, um, uh, your your base in Switzerland. You worked at UBS uh, for many years. You're finishing your PhD in quantitative finance. And at some point you had this idea of working and merging blockchain with cryptocurrency and sustainability. Tell us more. Yeah, hi Gabby and hi Sheila. And thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. Um, well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Gabby. My, my background is in, I'm actually a mathematician by training um, and, and did my studies here, finished up my studies here in Switzerland where I'm also now doing a PhD in quant finance where we focus on actually the end-to-end process of hydropower due diligence and also financing. And from that work, uh, naturally, um, we, we explore the financing side of, uh, of this um, topic and quickly came to the conclusion that tokenizing the securities of these assets can be a great enabler for channeling more funds into these kind of projects. Um, these projects being being hydropower in particular, but but we we expanded that idea to renewable energy projects uh, as, as a whole. Um, and yeah, now now here we stand uh, at the very very beginning. It's it's all very exciting, particularly seeing the amount of interest into impact investing and sustainability. Um, yet we do see a, still a big gap in terms of having uh, platforms or intermediaries that could facilitate a direct transfer of funds from impact investors to to project development. It's absolutely fascinating and and we can't wait to dig in more to how that whole world works and and we believe it's such a welcome development and innovation um, in that space. But before we go there, could you step back and tell us more about your journey? What brought you to, first of all, the course that you were taking and, and putting it all together, the sustainability angle with that tokenization? Um, Switzerland as well, I know that you've spent many years there, but that's not where you were perhaps originally from. So it's stepping back a bit. We'd love to hear more about your journey. Thank you, Shia, for that question. Um, yes, I am originally from, from Norway, uh, where my journey started. Um, and I was lucky to get involved with a Norwegian hydropower developer there, um, where I started helping them out with actually early due diligence of these hydropower projects. So really looking at um, water flow of a particular project location um, and helping them in creating more robust analysis for whether a project was feasible or not. Now, this at the later stage in, in that collaboration uh, expanded into looking at how we could finance these projects. 
And that's where the interesting work started because what we saw was it was extremely challenging, especially for smaller projects uh, to acquire financing. And also this company um, having obviously a little bit of uh, funds on the side to do project development and also invest themselves, didn't have sufficient enough capital to um, do a very broad project expansion. So investing in several projects simultaneously. So that led us to look into how uh, we could partner up with financial intermediaries uh, and collaborate with them to accelerate project development. Now, this Norwegian company as well, what I should mention is they expanded into um, more developing countries, uh, such as Sub-Saharan Africa, where these challenges became even more profound. Um, so the need for them to acquire capital and also in this case, high risk capital uh, was, was extremely challenging. And we looked at uh, several solutions, one being um, a fund solution, which we quickly actually abandoned because of um, the costs associated with that and also additional administrative um, governance layers uh, that slowed down development. The next solution we, we tried to explore was uh, a private equity construct, um, which for the same reason we also expanded. And then we started to play around with the idea, but how about we explore the topic of crowdfunding um, and actually opening up the market to everyone and not only, read, uh, not only institutional and, and high net worth individuals. So that's where the... Um, origination of the idea came to came to play and currently I'm, I'm based in Switzerland where the regulatory environment is quite mature and, and open to innovative approaches to to finance um, and it has become sort of a fintech hub uh, actually and this year in February um, which obviously was very convenient for us uh, playing around with this crowdfunding idea they passed a distributed ledger technology bill, which actually enabled us to facilitate exactly such an infrastructure, uh, being um, an infrastructure where we could facilitate the sale of unregulated securities or really actually tokenized products um, that were directly linked to these projects that we were developing. So that's where the origination of the idea came to play. And, and from there on, we we obviously use the, the knowledge and know-how that we have built up through the years and, and we're ready to, to execute. Watching you speak, Philip, is, is, is impressive because um, we, we can understand so well how you're leveraging your experience with, with hydropower, renewable energy more broadly, uh, with your view of financial markets being that conduit for more capital, but with, with clear issues and then, you know, that's the problem and voila, here's the solution, the token. Um, so, so, so let's get a little bit deeper on Frig. Um, I think in a nutshell, it's a marketplace to invest in sustainable projects at the asset level. So how does it work? Where are you in that journey of building the solution? Um, and explain to us a little bit more in the nitty gritty detail how the blockchain and the cryptocurrency and that sustainability get all um, connected and put together you know, through, through Frig. Yes, absolutely. 
So Frigg is uh, a Swiss established entity where um, myself together with my PhD supervisor, Marcus Leipold and another co-founder on the technical side, Francesco Leonetti have established uh, to uh, build up this platform, as you mentioned. And this platform, as you rightly said, uh, facilitates the sale of tokenized products that are directly linked to uh, sustainable projects at the asset level. So the way we do it in here, the regulatory environment isn't that mature yet. So we can only facilitate the sale of tokens that are linked to operational projects. So what we do is we collaborate with uh, project developers. They uh, build the project up until commercial operation date. Then we come in, we look at the balance sheet, we structure a financial product, be it equity or debt tokens that we then uh, sell to the market. So what we really aim to do is not add a, an additional layer uh, between the investor and where actually impact and value is created, but rather be a value adding intermediary and really narrow the space between the impact investor and the asset itself. This naturally has also additional benefits because developers themselves they could actually free up cash that they had locked in during the development phase, phase to do additional projects. And in that way, we could scale the development process that's currently lagging behind significantly in terms of uh, the development goals that we're trying to achieve. It's so fascinating and you can see it being so impactful, um, especially with operational up and running projects. Um, and can you talk a little bit about how you mentioned the Swiss regulatory environment, how it was conducive to helping you build such a technology and, and uh, be able to sell it there. I know Norway was also involved, uh, Norfund. Could you tell us a little bit about those two environments and how conducive they were and where you sort of see that evolution um, eventually potentially going outside of Switzerland, even for the tokens? Absolutely. Uh, and it's a great point because and I think I could start with Norway as a, as a prime example and a role model in terms of early project development financing. So the Norwegian government, a uh, couple of years ago now, they set out a new path and a new strategy on how they could assist um, Norwegian companies abroad, especially in developing countries, to facilitate quicker growth and really conduct uh, development help to self-help. Um, and there they have established uh, numerous governmentally backed entities, one uh, being NURAD that provides provisions grant funding uh, for Norwegian entities that are uh, developing these projects abroad. There is NURFUND, as you mentioned, which is a DFI, so development fund institution that provisions equity funding for these projects. And lastly, there is uh, the export credit agency, XFIN, uh, also backed by the Norwegian government that provisions uh, um, security for international debt providers, such as, for example, African Trade and Development Bank, and guarantees a large portion of that debt facility. Now, this is obviously an ideal construct to um, um, deploy a large amount of capital for project development, but also being very um, uh, rigid coming from sort of the public sector uh, can become quite slow. Um, and that's why 
we as a as a intermediary in fintech would like to help the really the developer that also provisions capital for project development to actually get more capital channel to them as the center point of contact uh, for project development and, and accelerate their um, well project development but also um, loan facility or capital injection it's 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 a such a beautiful concept but what is more um, impressive is that this is already way beyond a concept you you you're you're in operation you're doing this um, can you walk us through a case, one example of a project, a, a jurisdiction, a location, a quantum, um, and that cryptocurrency, you say cryptocurrency and everybody goes like, tell me more. Uh, so, so walk us through a, a specific case that you're happy to talk about. Yes, thank you, Gabby. Um, so we have um, actually already acquired a project that we can tokenize. And this project is based or domiciled in, in Rwanda. It's a Rwanda River hydropower project that currently employs 12 uh, Africans or locals uh, working on the site. This project was originally developed by the United Nations and then later bought off by this Norwegian company that we're working closely together with. Um, and they completely refurbished the plant. So they renovated the whole piping. Um, they took out the old turbine and replaced it with cutting edge Norwegian um, hydropower technology and also installed these remote operation and control devices, allowing them not only to um, step in when there was an emergency, but also facilitate sort of a knowledge transfer to people employed locally on the plant. And obviously, from an impact perspective, we found this fascinating. And it was the ideal case to showcase not only real, true impact, but also facilitate the way that the end user or the impact investor can directly invest in these type of products. So we sat down with them and said, OK, this now is the perfect use case. How about we take some of that locked-in capital that you have there because they originally funded it 90% um, themselves and also with a local partner in Africa. So we take part of that capital and uh, refinance it. So the way we do it is uh, for this particular project, we take the current debt that they are provided, which is approximately 70% of the project, and we create a token out of it. And the token uh, is structured in such a way that it's nothing more than a zero coupon bond. So it's uh, almost, um, so it's a debt product that pays an annual yield, but the yield is not paid out um, before the investor decides to sell the token back to the issuer. And the way it's structured is the issuer issues a token and that token is sold on our marketplace to impact investors. And whenever the, the issuer would like to buy a token, uh, sorry, the impact investor would like to buy a token, he just simply enters into our webpage and he can easily decide, as you mentioned, Gabby, buying it via cryptocurrency. However, we only accept stable coins. So that's cryptocurrency really pegged to US dollars or euro or any large type of fiat currency. Or the impact investor can decide to to invest with normal fiat money. So US dollars or Euro in this case. 
Now, once this money is channeled to the issuer, so really the asset itself and the asset owners, um, we deploy the tokens back to the investors automatically. However, there, I think there needs to be some um, um, education on that respect because I don't think a lot of people know what a wallet is, but we would deploy the, the tokens into a crypto wallet that is held by the investor himself or herself. So once that transfer is done, then the token price would uh, reflect the yield that is compounding on, on the bond. Um, and sorry, I'm, I think this is way too complex. Uh, so let me start over. No, that's fantastic. Really? It's absolutely very fascinating. And it's good to kind of understand how all that works. Absolutely. Um, I thought that was great. Okay. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, again, it just makes so much sense. It's such an elegant solution. And as as you can see, the market of investors grows, the pool of potential capital into those tokens grows. Um, it becomes more and more, um, well, just more commonplace, more straightforward, and perhaps more accepted as, as a solution. Um, and, and do you see a movement towards that? Would it be just more uptake in Switzerland first? Or do you see other countries following suit? What is the landscape right now for a potential product like this to be offered to investors in other countries? So in terms of the investors that we can approach, um, especially for this bond token, we focus on Switzerland in particular, um, but there are no particular rules and regulations that says we cannot sell the tokens to any other impact investors. However, we are a bit careful um, with the U.S. domiciled investors, um, and there the regulatory environment is a bit more um, susceptible to, to a higher risk. So we are careful there. Um, but the only requirement that we have is we need to keep a full registry of the token holders at any point in time. So any time the token holder shifts owners, we need to record that, and we do automatically uh, through being an, I wouldn't say market maker, but an intermediary for the, the transfer. So currently the tokens are sold back to the, uh, us as a platform. We destroy the token and mint a fresh one. So really creating a new one and sell it back to the market. And in that way we can facilitate peer-to-peer -peer transfers. So the direct sale of a token to another investor is currently not uh, facilitated on our platform for, for regulatory reasons. But as an impact investor, anyone outside of Switzerland except the US uh, is also free to invest. So Philip, that's, that's the blockchain part of it, right? That's how you, you, you keep track of, of all this flow of, of investments and tokens. So, so that's a case study on the debt side. And then on the equity side, do you think it would be um, uh, a similar structure, um, a bit more challenging perhaps? Absolutely. Um, I think in terms of complexity, it will not be um, much more difficult. It's only that the risk is different. So for a yield product, obviously, you have seniority of any other type of um, capital outflows from the entity that owns the project. Um, but with equity, you also have not only higher risk, but you also have the chance of getting a higher return. And there, we 
see an interesting development because you can almost see the direct correlation, especially for hydropower in this case, a direct correlation between the equity token value and really the stream flow that flows through the turbine. So you can almost see it as a financial product that's completely decorrelated with the financial market itself and really have a, a product that is directly cor correlated with the climate and really the local climate. So not only are you contributing to mitigating climate change, but you can actually feel it in the financial products that you invest in by looking at, okay, how much water is flowing? There is in Africa and, and South America talks about droughts. So really feeling that on the financial products, I think also becomes clearer for impact investors and the investment community in general, that yes, we actually need to do something. And um, I think I was going a bit off topic there, Gabby, but uh, I think coming back to the equity token itself, it's not going to be more, more complex. It's just that um, you would need to um, track, which we also put um, live available on the platform, intradaily production of uh, the assets itself. So this is really the electricity produced um, that generated the revenue for the asset. So while the debt token would not be susceptible to fluctuations in the production, the equity token will absolutely. It's so impactful, as you mentioned, um, from a climate perspective, from an impact perspective, even more broadly, you talked about local jobs being created, um, you know, having that ability to take an operational project and then be able to provide liquidity for it. It, it just sounds, you know, so commonsensical, revolutionary, but so important too. you know, how do you see this evolving? It's the kind of thing that we would love to see grow. And, you know, we would imagine there's a lot of investors who are very keen to get involved you know, has that been your experience in Switzerland to date? And, and, and do you see that growing? Absolutely. I, I definitely see that growing. Um, we haven't done much marketing thus far. Uh, we've done one LinkedIn post uh, that generated a bit of traffic on our own channels. Um, and we have a teaser website, so frig.eco, um, where interested impact investors or interested um, users can register their emails. And thus far, uh, 90 people have registered and we are obviously thrilled about that, but I think we could definitely do much more in that respect than getting our product also known to, to the broader investment community. Um, I see the development definitely going in that direction. So just today, actually, I heard UBS talking about uh, yet another record quarter of accumulating impact funds, or really funds that are dedicated to doing impact investing. Um, there are other um, financial platforms here in Switzerland that are really pushing the, the impact brand um, and marketing it, and it has received great attention. What I do still see, and there I hope we could facilitate that. Um, um, transfer is the lack or solve the bottleneck that we currently see is the transfer of funds normally ends up with a financial intermediary that proclaims itself being very impactful. However, the funds tend to sit there and not really go directly to the projects where it should go. So it's almost 
it's the famous term called greenwashing. And I think that's very present still in the market. And we really want to combat that and try to educate our community what real impact is and really making it measurable, uh, lowering the barrier of entry and really enhancing liquidity for, for those projects. And I think there is still a long way to go. However, I'm very optimistic when I see the massive interest in the market. Um, and then now the challenge is really how do we channel those funds directly to where the money should go and create impact. Philip, we relate to so, so many things that you are talking about. We are a bit over two years old ourselves and uh, you know, entrepreneurship is phenomenal, not always easy. Um, give us your blue sky scenario, right? We, we, we're, we're, we're watching you take off and bring this incredible idea um, that we really think has tremendous potential. Five, 10 years from now, how big do you think this could be? What is your vision? Where would you like to lead Frig towards? Great question. Um, so on a macro level, what we see is there is totally around 6 trillion US dollar funding gap each year that should go to um, renewable energy projects um, globally. In developing countries alone, that funding gap is 3.5 trillion a year. So obviously there is a massive, massive room for, for facilitating that transfer. And when you look at, so this is sort of the, the total scope that we should try to achieve to reach climate goals. Now, when you look at funds currently channeled directly into these kind of projects, I could almost, um, well, depict it as a, as a P, whereas the total available funds out there in the market, including retail funds, is the size of a melon. So really opening that current market up to the, actually the whole financial markets, I think is going to solve that problem because we only need to upscale it by a factor of, yes, on a global basis by two, three, and in the developed world um, by, by factor six. So by comparing those two sizes, the P with the melon, that's easily achievable. And I think that should be the goal, not only for us, I think we are one of many climate solutions and many fintechs that should be out there. And I think there is a slowly evolving process, um, especially from the regulatory side, that should be the facilitator for, for this and needs to uh, speed up. Um, and happy to be sort of uh, um, or hoping to be a pioneer in the space, especially in Switzerland, and, and share the idea broadly with not only our community, but uh, so the academic community and the industry community um, on, on how this could be solved. So I think there, the sky is the limit, but I think it's for, for the common, common good. Climate change is not only a local problem, it's really a global pr problem that doesn't recognize um, borders. And I think we need to collaborate on a global scale. We couldn't agree more and we'll be very keenly watching and, and hoping that there is that uptake because you know we, we both believe it's such an elegant and, and much needed solution. So we'll certainly be watching out and rooting for you. And um, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you.
here today and tell us about the amazing concept. Um, yes, thanks again. Thank you so much for having me, Fabian Chila. Thank you, Philip. Thanks for listening. You can listen to Climate Solutions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your shows. You can also leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or like and subscribe on YouTube. To find out more about us, visit us at iClimate.Earth or at Climate Solutions with Gabi and Shala on YouTube or on Instagram. Click the links in the video to know more about us or our guests. See you next time.